Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, we have to have some fun along the way, don't we? Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, if you have any commercial real estate questions, get in touch with us. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Our email is info at com, Or reach us through your favorite media at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to look into something extremely important for everyone, especially if you're in the commercial real estate industry. We're going to get an inside look at asset and property management. We'll look at the current issues. We'll look at the trends in the industry, and we'll share some best practices with you. Look, if you work in an office building or shopping in a mall, the signs of good or poor management are all around you, and good management is a key part of any project especially in this economic environment. Well, my first guest is Jim Evans. Jim is a CPM, a certified property manager, and a senior executive with two Michigan-based companies. He's president and CEO of Bruce G. Pollock & Associates, a brokerage and management company, and he's president and CEO of KEB Investments, a real estate development company. Jim is also the 2012 president of the Institute of Real Estate Management, sometimes known as IRAM, as an affiliate of the National Association of Realtors, For 75 years, IRMA has been dedicated to providing education, resources, information, and opportunities to real estate management professionals. Jim Evans, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure. Well, thank you, Jim. And uh, tell us about uh, IRM. How big is IRM? And, uh, you know, what are some of the benefits of IRM? Well, IRM was founded 78 years ago in Chicago, Illinois, on a platform of ethics and professional property management. It's an organization of just under 19,000 members throughout the world. We have 108 chapters, uh, and as I said, we're we're a worldwide organization Mm -hmm. just starting to open up in China, and we've been in Japan for a few years, Korea, uh, a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries in in Europe, uh, of course, all of the United States, and uh, some down in South America. Well, when you ask uh, property management people, IRM is the main association and the go-to source. Uh, what are the main missions of IRM, and uh, you know, are there any special issues going on this year that you have planned? Well, like I said, uh, our main issue is education and mm-hmm. ethics. We were founded uh, during the Great Depression uh, in Chicago when no one was really understanding property and asset management. And it was pretty much like the, uh, the Wild West, if you will. Uh, they were out, and they were just doing whatever they wanted to, cutting contracts, cutting in building owners out. So a group of individuals got together in Chicago and decided enough is enough, and we're going we're gonna to go in and we're going to show people how to manage buildings both professionally and ethically. And so that's what IRM has stood, stood for for almost 78 years now, and we'll never waver from it. Uh, our designation is, is unique in that we'll give you the education needed to manage any building, any property type, anywhere in the world. You know, the world is ever shrinking, is ever shrinking, and uh, you know we understand that. So, if, if there's any mission that IRM has you know, this year, it is to continue to to the global outreach, which really benefits our members. Uh, we're finding in some of our research that even the smallest markets in the United States, uh, institutional and foreign investors are coming into those markets and looking at, at, uh, at Class A properties. So we've, we've, we really realize now that uh, understanding the global market is, is imperative for our members, and we're really doing that. Well, certainly a good time to, to have good management 
on your side and people that know what they're doing. You know, what are some of the tools and resources uh, at the members of IRM have available to them, and how might that help their clients? Well, the number one tool and benefit that IRM members have uh, overwhelmingly is its members, the members themselves. You're talking about a, a pool of members that manage almost $2 trillion of real estate, 11.4 million residential units, 10.4 billion square feet of commercial management, of commercial uh, space. And every one of them will take a call from anybody who has a question about anything that's going on in their market. Uh, so number one, the members are the biggest benefit. But then, of course, we have a website, www.irem.org, uh, and it's just full of tools that the everyday property manager can use. If you're a member of IRAM, we have a, a subdirectory on our website called IRAM First, and you can get to it by IRAMFirst.org. And it's a tools database. If, uh, for instance, uh, I took over a building um, last month, and, and one of the things I needed was a was a check-in and check-out form for a property management transfer. I just went around our IRAM First, did a simple search for a, a check-in sheet, uh, Within two minutes, I had the sheet here distributed to my employees, and we were on our way. Uh, so those forms databases can be, you know, time savers. Uh, the other thing that we, we offer is uh, both on the chapter level and on the national level is our meetings. Again, it gets back to the networking point I made before. We have two, na- we have two national meetings a year, one in April and one in October, which we just finished with. But then our chapters meet, you know, at least four times a year, and many meet 10 to 12 times a year. And it really, they bring in industry speakers, they teach you about the market, they teach you what's going on. But then again, it gets you in front of your peers and your coworkers and your colleagues and and really lets you do that networking and build your portfolio that way. Yeah, well, that's important and a great resource. And if you go to uh, irem.org, there are so many resources and tools there that we could talk an hour just about that. So be sure you visit that uh, website. And on the two big conventions in April and October, where will they be this year? Uh, next year's conventions, we always go to Washington for our leadership and legislative summits. 14th year uh, in April, we'll be in Washington again, right to JW Marriott, just a stone's throw from the Capitol and from the White House. Uh, and we, we do our governance meetings for a few days, but then the very last day, uh, we do um, our lobbying efforts. And it's, it's really kind of amazing to see. It's exactly like you were taught in grade school. Uh, we go out and uh, through the, our help with the National Association of Realtors and our own members, pooling our own members throughout the uh, throughout the country, we bring between three and five issues up to the Hill, and we lobby hard with our representatives. Last year, 350 people did just over 500 individual meetings with congressmen, wow. lobbying for, for different causes and different issues that we feel is important to the industry. The second meeting will be in October next year, and that will be in the wonderful city of New Orleans. We're going back to New Orleans. We haven't been in a few years. And, again, that's our annual leadership legislative – I mean our uh, fall leadership conference. We we do some governance of the Institute, but we also give you some take back. It's uh, full of educational seminars and and speakers, and it really allows you to hone your skills. Um, So if you haven't been to either one of our two conferences, I really would suggest you take a look at them because they're really worth your time. That's great. I'd like to try to get to New Orleans. And I'll see you guys. I can't, well, I can't say it like that. But I know. <laughs> well, what are the main property management designations? Uh, you know, it's real important these days that people have great management and great managers. And uh, what does it take to earn these designations? Well, our gold standard designation is a certified property management uh, designation. It's uh, it was the designation when the IRM was was founded. Um, it is the gold standard in the industry. Um, it is not 
it's not just uh, read a book and take a test. I mean, you really need to put your blood, sweat, and tears into into that kind of a designation. So there's a series of classes you have to take, and then uh, you know we uh, we test you at the end of the, both the classes, and then one comprehensive exam at the end of all of your classes, and then you can either write what we refer to as a management plan, which is really a business thesis on a different property, or we do a management plan skills assessment, which is we just test to make sure that you have the knowledge needed to become a certified property manager. And then always, as with all of our classes, we have a we have a one-day ethics course that we uh, that you have to take and pass prior to getting your designation. So that's the CPM designation. The ARM and the ACOM are two designations that we also have, and they're more site level for uh, companies who are bringing their employees um, stepping stone, if you will, to the CPM designation. They're smaller portfolio sizes, smaller educational requirements, and really, really designed to teach that site level manager or even someone who's new in the business exactly what's going on in his or her world and make them better site level managers. Right. And, of course, the last one is our AMO designation. That's a company-wide designation given to the actual company itself. You have to have a CPM on staff that's in a senior level position, and it pretty much tells the industry that you're one step above everybody else. We have different insurance requirements. We have different reporting requirements. Uh, It's a fabulous designation, and it opens up the AMO network, which allows companies to talk amongst themselves. So it's a... It's a great designation. If you have some CPMs on staff and you've not yet looked into the AMO designation, I would strongly recommend it. Okay, that's great. And I'd like to ask you while we have you on the phone, you know, how has property management changed over the last decade? And, you know, and uh, what role do you see property managers playing in the future? Well, how has it changed in the last decade? You know, it's really kind of funny. Property management really has not changed in the last decade. Everybody else has changed around us. We're, mm-hmm. we're the stalwart. We, there's never been... Uh, a time where you can cut corners or, or go the easy way when it comes to property management. If you did, uh, not only did your buildings fail, but most likely your company failed. Uh, so really and truly, we've been the ones that have come through this last little slowdown and the slowdown in the late 90s and the one in the 80s, and I can go back farther and farther and farther and say that if your company didn't continue to do what you've always been doing, which is provide a service far in excess of the fee that you charge, if you're not right on top of every little small detail, uh, you really had, you know, you weren't you weren't managing your buildings like you should have, and your buildings probably suffered for it. It's it's kind of interesting to say that we haven't changed because everybody else has, but we really have not. Well, that's important. Under promise and over deliver. And we told your uh, handlers that we wouldn't keep you all day for us. So, Jim, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Have a great day. If you'd like more information about the Institute of Real Estate Management or Jim Evans' Michigan-based companies, the websites are available for you at commercialrealestateshow.com. After a short break, we're going to grill the top brass from Seven Oaks Company for some intel for you. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcast are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Remember, if you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate subjects or property sectors, 
check out our show podcast. Last week we had a great show on the U.S. industrial market, and the week before we covered the office sector. Another show I recommend is on the health of the banking industry and commercial real estate auctions. You can download the show on iTunes and on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing property management issues, and I can say that, trends and best practices. (laughs) Let's meet our guests. First, please welcome Bob Boyles, Principal and CEO of Seven Oaks Company. Bob Boyles founded Seven Oaks Company in 2004 at uh, Seven Oaks and as Senior Development Officer at Heinz. Bob developed over 3 million square feet of Class A office space, acquired three Class A uh, projects totaling 1.7 million square feet, and has provided asset management for over 6 million square feet of Class A office space and development of properties, including 1,800 acres in Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida. Bob Boyles, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Also, please welcome Randy Holmes, principal with Seven Oaks Company. In the last 14 years, Randy has massed a world of experience, including acquisition and development of over $600 million of commercial properties, asset, and property management of 4 million square feet of office space, and has closed approximately $300 million in leasing transactions. Randy, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Michael. Also, please welcome Harry Conley, CEO with Seven Oaks Company. Uh, Harry is one of the gold standard CPMs, and uh, in in his 30-year career includes executive-level positions with Trammell Crow, Princess Properties, Heinz, and Fifth Street Management. Harry has managed in excess of 10 million square feet, including opening of over 7 million square feet of office assets in cities across the U.S. Harry is a recognized leader in sustainability energy reduction strategies, and lead certification. Harry, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. Uh, guys, I'd like to get a quick definition and the differences for our listeners, uh, and a quick answer on the difference between property management, asset management, and facilities management, and what are some typical costs for, say, asset management services, Randy? Sure, Michael. I guess the way, maybe one way to look at it, uh, starting from the spectrum with facility management, you know, as the name implies, you know, that is really the, the maintenance and overall management and in charge of really special purpose facilities, I guess is the way we look at it. Kind of they could be uh, you know, institutional, you know, educational, single tenant type abilities, really where the job is is really just kind of taking care of, of that specific property. As you kind of go across the spectrum, as we look at overall property management, that is in the management of a multi-tenant facility where the management team has a much more interaction with the the tenants involved as well as the operation of the facilities and management of all the various contracts, the vendors, the cleaning, the security, the landscaping, you name it. And then as you move on to asset management, as we look at that, that's really kind of a bridge from the property to the ownership level. The asset manager's role is really more of a strategic uh, view of the asset of course, overseeing the property management day-to-day operations, but also focused on issues like the capital structure of the facility, you know, the, the status of the loan that's in place, the overall leasing and marketing strategy for the building, as well as helping ownership with decisions on whether or not to sell the building uh, or keep it. So a lot of valuation uh, analysis uh, to help out the ownership. So as an asset manager, you're not just kicked back with your feet propped up uh, <laughs> you know, drinking coffee? Well, every now and then, perhaps, if, if you got 100%. Our uh, asset managers are right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, believe me, in, in this day and age with, uh, with institutional ownership who uh, have uh, come in through some rough years and owning uh, commercial real estate, there's a lot of focus uh, on uh, asset management and how you can really position these properties. Often, you know, properties who have had perhaps lost a major tenant 
and having to somehow reposition themselves and recover uh, in a tough market. Yeah, certainly. We're kidding. And I think asset management is extremely important, especially in these times. And, you know, speaking of these times, we're starting to see acquisition volumes increase around the country. More people are starting to get their toes in the water and buy properties. What is the role of property management and asset management professionals in the acquisition process, Bob? Well, I think uh, if you look at the purchase of an office building, similar to what you would do if you come to look at a house, one of the earliest things that you can tell when you're looking at a building is how well it's been kept, whether there's been deferred maintenance on major systems in the project, whether the landscaping's taken care of, whether the hallways are clean, public restrooms. And uh, it's interesting, people, um, you, an experienced eye can see this right up front. Deferred maintenance can cost uh, a purchaser of a building uh, or the seller, if the seller agrees to take that as a deduct, it could be as much as it could go into the millions of dollars. The other thing that the property manager, um, the, the role that they play is that when they analyze a building that's about to be bought, and this is something that Harry and our team uh, does on a regular basis, they can um, show how systems can be run better, more efficiently, and if you reduce operating costs on a go-forward basis for your investor by as much as a dollar a foot on a $10 operating cost budget, on a larger building, that can be as much as 4 or $5 million worth of additional value that will flow to the bottom line for the new purchaser. So it's a critical part of the, of the process. Right, and so you help them understand uh, what their income expenses might be moving forward, and they can know what to expect with that asset, right? Exactly. You break down all of those things. You look at the prior history, but then you do projections based on your team's experience and their physical inspections. Okay, and we just put a 188,000-square-foot office building on the market in Atlanta, and I want to make sure that anyone calls you about that building, you tell them it's not going to need any work, and it's just going to be great. Plug <laughs> and play. Just show up tomorrow. You're fine. We you have our word on it. <laughs> at 25 a foot, it doesn't need anything, I'm sure. <laughs> right, right. Not at all. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, the education opportunities and the differences between property managers. I think it's more important than ever for lenders, for asset managers, for anyone involved in the ownership of a property to know what they're getting with the property management team and the people that are actually working in the building. Are, are there very, are there big differences in the effectiveness, effectiveness of these professionals uh, around the country, Harry? Yeah, I'd say there, there most likely is. A, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it depends on the region of the country or particularly the market. Of course, the larger Real estate markets, core markets, have attracted institutional investors over a long period, and that has attracted top-quality uh, firms to conduct the property management services. Uh, but in assessing a property management company as being appropriate for a particular asset, you, you certainly want to look deep into what the culture is. Are Is there a culture of t- continuous training and improvement uh, in staff development and professional development uh, for the key players? And would you look at the key players and look at their designation, look at their experience, maybe interview those people individually? I think you do, and and you want to dig a little deeper and see what kind of systematic approach they're taking with all their employees, even to the the lowest level employee uh, and the maintenance staff that that you may have. What are they doing to invest in creating the knowledge base that it takes to now operate, you know, sophisticated buildings? Okay. And how much impact can management have on returns and the ultimate sales price of an asset, Randy? Well, I think it can be significant. I think, you know, a, 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 an attentive and aggressive operational team on site that's working on containing operating expenses 
you know, those are real savings. And depending upon how your leases are structured, it's different all across the country. Those savings could either get passed on to your tenant or to ownership. So that can have a meaningful benefit on an ongoing basis, as well as having a, a well-tuned capital plan is really one of the biggest things that a potential buyer comes to look at uh, on, on an asset. And so to have a team that's got uh, has been in, in front of any preventive maintenance programs to thereby minimize any future CapEx costs can really help the exit price for a seller uh, because they know uh, they can convince the new buyer that they're not going to have to put as much money in the building. Right. Well, that's a good tip, and I think it's important. I think property management is why commercial real estate can be such an advantage of of an asset to buy because you can have better management and create more value. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll get right back and cover some key property management tips for you. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcast are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Do you use Twitter yet? Well, it's fun, it's informative, and you can dive in the Twitter river or not whenever you like, and I think that finds it, uh, makes it very interesting. And if you want to find some good people to follow, see who follows the show Twitter accounts uh, at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com, or go to twitter.com backslash CRE underscore show. And uh, you can follow the show for more great commercial real estate information. And speaking of Twitter, we have a show coming up on social media marketing for business. You do not want to miss that one. In fact, you can show up for show topic notices at our website, commercialrealestateshow.com. And if you're having a drinking party on how many times I mentioned the show website, that's four <laughs> drinks you've had already. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're discussing property <laughs> management issues, trends, and best practices. My guests are Bob Boyles, Randy Holmes, and Harry Conley. And uh, Harry, I'd like to know what are the typical components of a proper property management plan? Well, the, the, the large sections uh, of a plan would really start with what identifying what the owner objectives are, uh, particularly what the, the uh, strategy is for the hold period, uh, exit strategy, and, and what available capital they may or may not have for investment in the systems and the, and the uh, retrofitting, if any, in the building. From that point, you begin to develop a, a plan around what the maintenance needs are and set up an appropriate preventive maintenance program. Uh, from that, you can derive what your manpower needs would be, so your staffing becomes critical to, to drive the overall uh, operations plan. From that point, you look at big picture items and really need to incorporate, especially in today's environment, a, a, an overall sustainability strategy uh, and plan for the property. Uh, and that would necessarily focus on one of the highest uh, cost items of operating any property, which would be energy and water conservation issues. Uh, so. Uh, lastly, but, but but not least important, you really want to focus on uh, tenant communications. It would be a, a central part of a, of a uh, well-thought-out plan. Okay, so I have my outline here. I'm ready to go. I can provide you one <laughs> you of those for a fee. That's <laughs> for right. a fee, I can draw that up for you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Harry for a property management uh, referral, and, uh, you know, when he t- started talking about saving money and energy, 
his light, his eyes started sparkling. <laughs> like, you know, it's like energy. This guy really likes to save energy and money for my clients. And I said, I got it, got to use them. Uh, and, and let's talk about that. I mean, you know, the cost are a big item today. There's a lot of technology changes. How has property management changed uh, over the past decade, Harry? Well, I'd say that that uh, the, the blocking and tackling uh, is still the same in terms of of uh, you got to take care of the property, the physical asset, the brick and mortar. You've got uh, lease administration or financial considerations. I believe that the the expertise uh, and focus has has definitely shifted to a more technical approach to operating, particularly Class A multi tenanted uh, investment properties, where sustainability issues, uh, uh, in, in, uh, gaining information on the performance metrics of a property have really taken center stage now for operations. Okay. And how has technology impacted property management? Uh, Bob, are there some new tools that uh, people are using? Well, it's interesting. Uh, if you go back to not so long ago, in the early 1990s, um, when we would put together monthly reports for institutional investors, those reports could be as much as a half inch to three quarters of an inch thick. All this accounting data, all this different things that they wanted printed out and then FedExed up to these folks on a, on a regular basis. Today, um, because of the Internet and because of the software programs, it, everything is done almost virtually. There's very little paper that's um, traded. And, in fact, uh, with another one of our institutional partners out of the Northeast um, who we do work for, we basically enter data in on a specific software program, and then um, that's all we do. And so there's no paper transferred at all. So I would say probably um, Internet has done more uh, to make things more seamless uh, than anything. That's great. I would also add add to that that uh, the technology on measuring and monitoring building metrics, that, that would be the performance of the systems, particularly, again, related to energy and water conservation. We're now seeing, as, as Bob was talking about, all the web-enabled uh, technologies. In particular, we're seeing performance dashboards now becoming a real integral part to, to ob- being able to visually monitor systems performance on a, on a minute-to-minute basis. Wow, that's great. So like in my performance boat, I know what's going on every second. Now I can know in my buildings. That's correct. <laughs> That's great. A little drier and safer probably. And let's talk about sustainability. We're close on the break, but can Go and bring, Green bring in the green, Randy? Well, absolutely. And let's face it. I mean, sustainability is probably one of the most overused words in, in real estate, but it, it is meaningful and it is here to stay. I mean, I think first off, for any institutional owner of real estate or any tenant uh, of any size, they all have their sustainability uh, programs and protocols within their firms. And if you're not addressing uh, that in your buildings, not only are you leaving money on the table, um, because there are real savings that can be driven through energy reduction techniques, as Harry has mentioned, you're also going to miss out on the ability to lease your space to some tenants who just aren't going to go to a building that does not have a green program. As well, and there are certain markets in the country where you're actually able to get a premium uh, for being in a green building. So, yes, is the, is the short answer. That's great. All right, we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more property management intel for you. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcast are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. 
When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Do you provide the best professional services in your market area? If you do, help us find you, will you? Visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com and click the professional directory. It's free to post and it's free to search. Well, today we're discussing property management issues, trends, and best practices. My guests are Bob Walls, Randy Holmes, and Harry Conley. And Harry, let's talk a little bit more. There's specific sustainability issues that can really uh, bring in the green. Well, I think Randy touched on uh, one of the items, which is the the focus on energy conservation, which, again, is the second largest operating cost of a property. So when you talk about uh, material reductions in operating expenses at, at, that, at that level, it's meaningful in the leasing and marketing uh, and competitiveness of a property in its particular marketplace. And then secondly, increasingly we've seen uh, brokers bringing tenants uh, to buildings where lead certification does exist, and it's one of the items that tenants are using on their checklist of space that would be attractive for their relocations. Yeah, well, that makes sense, and we're seeing a lot of that as well. Uh, well, quickly, what are the most popular property management software programs that uh, people like to see here? Well, I just say generally they're they're by category. You're looking at the financial set of of, uh, of uh, information uh, keeping, and which would be Yardy, MRI, and some other. I think Peachtree or uh, some of the bigger ones, uh, and those are widely used and uh, across the board of a variety of type of products. You're looking at tenant communications uh, software and programs, again, as another category of of technology that's being used. And then thirdly, and really increasing uh, in in frequency now, are energy management software. And all three of these major categories of of software and technology are really web-based and web-enabled now so that it's scalable and and available to all the stakeholders in in an ownership situation. Okay. And I want to talk about something that's very important in this market, and that is tenant retention. Uh, it's obviously extremely important to reduce turn- turnover and retain tenants. What are some of the techniques you've seen to help in tenant retention, Bob? Well, I think it's like any other service business. You have to know your client, and one of the things that we encourage our property managers to do is to get out of their office and to spend time in the tenant spaces with their counterparts there so that they know those folks very well. They, they're they there to meet their needs, address any concerns they have, but always focusing attention on the client. Well, if you leave your office, you might have to talk to the tenants or something. Well, <laughs> it's surprising how many buildings we look at uh, where, where the managers actually don't know their client that right. well. And their client is not the investor. Ultimately, it's the tenants are the lifeblood of a, of a speculative office building. And then if they've done that, if they've earned the right to be heard and they have that relationship, they're always finding ways to try and approach these tenants about early renewal, um, other things that can help extend that income stream because it's always easier to uh, bring a, uh, uh, keep a tenant than it is less expensive than to have a new one have to come in. Yeah, and I guess it's also important to, to know the uh, competitive marketplace. So if you're trying to retain that tenant, you know what uh, is available for that tenant out there so you can be competitive and not lose a tenant that you should have kept, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Well, how can property management people help owners survive in this cycle in other ways? Obviously, you want to keep tenants. You want to uh, reduce costs and improve operations. Uh, What are some tips to get people through it, Randy? 
Well, and, and really just to echo what Bob was saying, I mean, we like to empower our property managers to be the mayor of the building. And that, that means not only what we just mentioned on the tenant retention, but just owning everything and being creative and more than anything, being proactive. And, and a lot of this goes to expense control, you know, particularly in buildings where you may have challenges with occupancy and, and not a lot of dollars available to work with from, from your ownership there are ways to make, uh, reduce costs without spending a lot of money. It's really just operating things and kind of building the mousetrap a little bit differently and, and operating things in a more efficient manner. And, again, uh, that, that drives real savings uh, to the bottom line as well as allows uh, these owners to kind of get through some tough times until their buildings can get leased back up. Well, that's a good tip. And, Harry, I've been in buildings where they're not using these cost-saving uh, procedures in their buildings, and they say, well, we're so, so shorthanded now that we don't have time to do it. Aren't they able to find professionals that can do that for them and reduce their costs without w- without a problem? Yes. We, we have fa- d- demonstrated over the past uh, four or five years that a, a large percentage, in fact, a majority of the op- opportunities for reducing operating expenses are, are available as, as low-hanging fruit in a property. And it, once you've identified those, being able to implement those, uh, within the context of the existing operating budget without really incurring additional capital is, is very possible. Yeah. Well, hopefully as the market starts to, to slowly improve, more building owners will get into sustainability. Uh, well, let's talk about another big part of property performance, and that's leasing. How are asset managers and property managers involved, and how can they help in the leasing process, Bob? Well, as, as Randy mentioned, our property managers, we, we consider them the mayors of their, their buildings. And so when uh, leasing folks come through with prospective tenants, our managers help show the space. They know all of the physical assets of the building. They understand the market, and they can speak to the advantages of our particular property versus the other competitive ones in the marketplace. And I, I would just add to that is, you know, we engage our property managers in the actual leasing, uh, the lease negotiation process as well. I mean, nobody can negotiate and, and debate operating expense language in a lease better than the person who's in charge of it, and that's our property manager. Same goes with the construction management side. We're often charged with building out the space for our, our new tenants, and that can be an area of, of risk for our landlord and that they're expending a lot of money to do that. So we have our person right, who's going to be on point right there in the middle of that process, and we found that to be very helpful. Well, that's great. And I've also, as a tenant rep, uh, seen the property management uh, be along for the tours in Absolutely. the buildings, and uh, that way your, your tenant think, well, they care. They're here, right? <laughs> it minimizes the surprises on those tours as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Don't open that door. Exactly. Right? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. If you appreciate the show, do reach out to our sponsors. We have more key management strategies headed your way. I'm Michael Vall, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Commercial Real Estate Show podcasts are brought to you commercial-free by accounting firm Babish, Neiman, Kornman, and Johnson. Quality, responsiveness, and integrity best describe their accounting and advisory services. Visit bnkj.com. And by commercial brokerage firm Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing property management issues, trends, and best practices. My guests are Bob Boyles, Randy Holmes, and Harry Conley. 
And uh, Randy, let's talk about the the future of of buildings moving forward. What types of changes do you expect uh, in the more state of the art buildings uh, moving forward, Randy? Well, Michael, you know, it's interesting. Last week, we were all out at the Urban Land Institute uh, annual conference, and we spent a lot of time talking about these macro trends. And what I found was very interesting, and, and we really believe it, is as you you look at the, the, the population growth and trends of the Gen Y users, which are going to be the largest population segment in the U.S., and the future office segment uh, users and commercial office space users. And these people... Uh, are more accepting of alternative, I would say, types of office spaces. Alternative being, be it historic renovation projects or even locationally, you know, assets that are perhaps located, uh, you know, in other parts of hip urban downtown areas, really close to amenities, as well as uh, public transportation is important. So just from a large level, it is interesting to see that there is a trend towards more of an acceptance to, I would kind of call it, alternative uh, officing uh, locations and environment. Well, that's interesting. It is a, a bit of a changing environment. And, uh, Bob, at Seven Oaks, you guys do property management, asset management, consulting, and development. What are some of your uh, growth plans for the next few years? Well, I think for our uh, property management company, we our plan is to uh, grow to 10 million square feet of uh, assets under management by by 2016, and then uh, continue to work on acquisitions with some of our institutional partners. Um, but specifically, we have begun focus uh, some development efforts uh, for some of these buildings that Randy just mentioned. One in downtown uh, Atlanta, and then another one in our very uh, hip Midtown area. And these uh, looking at information and technology firms that are uh, beginning to focus on Atlanta as the capital of the southeast. And what has the press called this uh, development down the Gulf? Well, one of the two projects that we're looking at, is uh, they've called it uh, uh, Times Square South uh, because of the uh, large um, screen features that we're looking at down on the lower levels of the building. Oh, that's going to be an interesting location uh, to get going. So if you've got a big national, international firm that needs office space, uh, we've got it for you right here. Absolutely. Standing by. That's right. Bob, do you have any career tips for property management professionals? For the folks, young folks in our firm, we encourage them to wear multiple hats. Um, it's one thing to be very proficient in the property management area, but, for example, to become, attain LEED certification so that you're knowledge, knowledgeable in energy-saving techniques as well as uh, possibly getting your commercial leasing uh, designation in the appropriate jurisdiction. All of those things allow you to do multiple things and therefore make you more valuable and helpful to your employer and, and um, uh, from, your, from a career standpoint. And, Harry, you've certainly had a, a great career and having a great career in property management. Do you have some tips? I think the thing you have to remember is, is that we're in a, con a continual state of change. And nowhere is that more evident than in the technologies we utilize today because the technologies we'll all be counting on five years from now will be greatly different from the ones we're actually uh, relying on today. Okay. So these professionals should get out and learn about all those technologies and can become proficient with them? Yes. Staying up on technology and trying to keep up with the curve there and looking what's ahead is, is a critical part of what we, we need to do. All right. Well, we're close to the end of the show, but I have a question for you. Is it tougher to manage an office building or play a round of golf? 
Well, for me, certainly, it would be playing golf. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen you manage buildings. That's right. Yeah. I think there's, the problem is there's no mulligan in property. No. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really buy one. No do-over. Right. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insight. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you very much. If you'd like more information, the contact information, bios, and websites for everyone on the show today is available for you at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so, and I promise you another informative show. Thanks for spending some time with us today. I'm Michael Bull, and until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show.